0: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to my Big Fat Recovery. I'm your host, Molly Robbins, and I cannot wait for you to hear today's episode. Our guest today is Amanda Martinez-Beck, who I'll introduce in a moment. We had such a thought-provoking conversation, and it really left me feeling... Remotivated and ready to reconnect with my own spirituality. I've never found myself to be a religious person. I didn't grow up religious, and a lot of what Amanda and I talked about was her journey through her own spirituality and her relationship to her faith and that relationship to fat liberation and her eating disorder recovery. Um, and it really made me think about my own relationship with spirituality. As I talk about in the episode, I think my recovery in itself, has been a spiritual experience for me, and I really enjoyed our conversation around that. We also talked about Amanda's journey with COVID-19 and her recovery from that um, terrible virus and her experience in this global pandemic, Um, and we talked about so much more, so I can't wait for you to hear, and let's get into it. Our guest today is Amanda Martinez-Beck. She is a fat activist and body peace coach specializing in the intersection of human dignity, body liberation, and religion. She is the author of Lovely, How I Learned to Embrace the Body God Gave Me, the forthcoming More of You, the Fat Girls Field Guide to the Modern World, and the co-creator and co-host of Fat and Faithful podcast. She began at your body is good Instagram account to teach herself and others that the purpose of the human body is connection, not perfection. Her writing has been featured in various outlets, including Christianity Today and America Magazine. She lives in Texas with her family. (laughs) Well, Amanda, thank you so much for joining my Big Fat Recovery. I'm so excited to talk to you today.
1: I'm really glad to be here. Thank you, Molly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I have so many things that I want to talk about with you. I first found your account, I feel like later than I should have, probably like a year and a half or two years ago um, (laughs) when you were drawing um, these really amazing affirmations about like fat liberation and body image and recovery um, like you were like word lettering and mm-hmm. I was like that's so cool and then following you since then and I really appreciate your content and the way that you share things about your life but also about um, you know your work as a fat activist and fat liberation work that you do and coaching and all of that kind of amazing stuff um, so we're going to kind of touch on a lot of that but I wanted to start off by asking you about your own big fat recovery and what that looked like for you and kind of what did your journey entail and how did you find yourself where you are today?
1: Yeah. So I am in recovery for an eating disorder. And so I have a bunch of identities, I guess, that affect Mm -hmm. my eating disorder recovery. And one is that I live in a large body, and I've always lived in a larger than average body. Um, But after I kind of since I met my husband, uh, my body hasn't stopped, (laughs) hasn't reached um, a stopping point as I've been recovering. And that is okay. Um, So I am... I am in a larger body, that's important to know, which I guess is Mm -hmm. in the title. It's a great title by the way. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Um, And then actually related to your title, um, my my name, Amanda Martinez Beck, the Martinez part is because my dad and his family are refugees from communist Cuba. Hmm. So we watched my big fat Greek wedding and we're like, oh my gosh, that is our immigrant experience. Mm-hmm. Except the roasting of the pig happened in the backyard, not the front yard. <laughs> and um, everybody's named um, Reynaldo or Lupe <laughs> um, or Lily. My daughter is Lily after my grandmother, Lilia.
0: Aww.
1: So um, I'm Cuban and we eat amazing food. Food mm-hmm. is so important to family and culture. But also, um, this exists in every culture, but my grandmother, may she rest in peace, was a very image conscious person. Mm. And all of her children followed in her footsteps. And for example, she used to tell my grandfather, don't buy me jewelry save money for my surgeries. Oh, wow. Um so from the time that she was that I knew her really her upper forehead didn't have her wonderful smile or laugh wrinkles because she had had a lot of plastic surgery done mm-hmm. and so physical perfection and health were always really interconnected my grandfather was a physician and my grandmother had a doctorate in pharmacy And, um, sorry, I got distracted. That's okay. Um, and so medical family, Mm -hmm. all of my uncles are doctors and my dad. And so health was equal to thinness, was equal to worthiness, just really deeply. Um, another funny anecdote about my grandmother is that every night before bed she would put on full makeup Um, wow well but she didn't want to look like you know she didn't want to have a fireman find her unmade up if (laughs) she were to die in the middle of her sleep or whatever so (laughs) very humorous wow stories but she was serious about her beauty regimens and that got passed down through my family and so from my very earliest ages, I just remember my food intake being very controlled. And I know my parents ha- loved me and wanted to do the best for me, but I was on starvation-level diets mm. starting in elementary school. Wow. Um, content warning, I'm going to talk about caloric intake. Well, they mm-hmm. had me on a regular, <laughs> quote, recommended $1,200 200- Twelve hundred calorie oh, day, and that's mm-hmm. the caloric intake need of a toddler. So right. Our bodies don't respond well to that, no. and our psyche is messed up, <laughs> um, which is part of my story. Mm-hmm. And I am also a person of deep faith, and. Um, that has affected my recovery and my eating disorder before recovering as well, because I linked for whatever reason in Southern evangelical culture. I'm from Texas. Mm -hmm. We are taught that thinness is close to godliness. Mm. And it's kind of that Southern bell influence of be demure and small and don't assert yourself so both in personality and in body size i didn't fit in literally Mm -hmm. um my classmates like debuted into society and i wasn't one of those girls so Mm. um yeah it's it's been a challenging and healing experience to live in my hometown and raise children in my hometown. In Texas? In Texas, yes. Wow, yeah. I, I, I captured myself a university professor and brought him back here, so. Nice. <laughs> um, he came willingly. I don't always well, like good. the whole like <laughs> hunting analogies for, for yes. marriage and equality, but we have something really special. I didn't... Hmm. I would say that another way my faith impacted my eating disorder was in college. I attended a church that was very charismatic and in churchy terms, that means people raised their hands in the air and made funny noises and yeah. danced and I'm mean, very energetic, very young church. And to be honest, it was a blast. Like being at a concert, like imagine you're at your favorite band's concert and you're like, in the air, and <laughs> loud and dancing. Like that's kind of what church was like every week. Wow. Yeah. It's exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but one of the big things that ch- the church did corporately was fasting. Hmm. And people did it all sorts of different ways, but it was kind of a badge of honor. Um, to fast without drinking anything or eating anything except for water and the beginning of the end for me and that church and in my eating disorder um running just without restraint was I decided to go on a 40-day fast wow yeah um I was headed to a conference on July 7th, 2007 Mm -hmm. and you know, people, religious people can be weird about numbers and Christians are weird about the number 40, the number seven, the number three Mm -hmm. and the number 12. (laughs) Okay. So because God is a triune God, so three in one, God created the earth in seven days. Um, there were 12 tribes of Israel and their were 12 apostles.
0: Hmm.
1: And then 40 days and 40 years in the wilderness, um, the people of Israel wandered in the wilderness after being set free, liberated from Egypt. And Jesus was in the desert for 40 days. Anyway, that's a big deal. 40 days without any solid food. Um yeah, so I made it to um like day a nineteen, <laughs> and I had a breakdown of course, <laughs> right? No food. I was drinking smoothies like exclusively, and Watching. you think you could do that. I mean, I thought I could do that now, I know you can't because you're told smoothies are so full of you know yeah quote, bad food, Mm -hmm. but know that your body needs more than that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't, it seems like just incredibly detrimental to your physical health, but also your (laughs) mental health to go that long without solid food.
1: I had, I had always struggled with anxiety and depression and in college medicine had helped me a lot.
0: And mm-hmm. I had gotten
1: off of my medicine because I was in such a great place. And then I did the fast and I was back on medicine. Mm-hmm. That was Part of that was knowing that it's okay to need medicine. And part of that was just realizing that your body needs food. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that religion can't replace for me.
0: Yes, um, religion is not nourishment
1: of the body, right? <laughs> yeah, it does it does good and bad things to your soul, but your body is not um, able to be just completely neglected, which is something taught in a lot of Christian circles.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> mm. So after that, did you start to kind of like question what you had been taught about food and your body, or about? did you start to explore recovery
1: yeah this is a good question recovery takes years and so Mm -hmm. i want people to know that wherever they are on the journey it's a it's a journey and life happens along the way you don't just wait until you're fully recovered and then start living yes because life is what heals you (laughs) which is the awesome part um, I totally agree. like life and therapy, <laughs> those things yeah and, and friends, <laughs> those things together, and you pretty much have it um, have an answer for the hard parts mm-hmm. um, So <clears throat> I don't know if you are familiar with the story in. The Jewish scriptures, where a man named um, Jacob has an encounter with God, and they wrestle. Hmm. Um, Jacob is an, a, a douchebag. Like he he <laughs> has swindled his brother out of his inheritance, and he's like lied and cheated, and had himself been cheated on. And he's about to meet his brother who was like murderously angry the last time they saw each other. And so he does what any man does. He sends his wives and children before ahead of him. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: How honorable. Oh,
1: I know what a douche. And sorry (laughs) if I can't say that on your podcast. Oh, you absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So then that night he he's afraid of his brother and that night a man comes and they wrestle Um, and like they're wrestling until dawn and Jacob's hip gets dislocated. And it's a big thing, but at the end, Jacob is winning and the other man says, okay, let me go. And Jacob's like, no, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And he's like, tell me your name. So the man, is just astonished at this question. Well, it turns out that man was God, and like representing God, and um, named, renamed Jacob Israel, which means he who wrestles with God. Hmm. So I was always taught that you don't argue with God, and here am I seeing this story in the scriptures that my faith tradition uh, um, upholds as true and I'm being told that God was so proud of Jacob for wrestling him that he changed his name to the God wrestler like yeah that's huge and I've just come off of this breakdown and I just realized that I want to be me I don't I don't want to hide I want to wrestle through the parts of me that are interesting and weird and maybe wrong but I don't know And so um, that year was a year of wrestling with who I am. I'm a fat woman. At the time, uh, my definition of fat was different, but I considered myself a fat woman. Um, Mm -hmm. The way that I define fatness now is about accessibility. And whether I have to shop in specialty clothing stores or if I am able to fit into seats in public settings. Mm -hmm. So back then, I was just on the brink of specialty clothing. Mm -hmm. And I never had a problem sitting. But my body had been a point of contention my whole life. But for some reason, I just believe that if I wrestled with all these things, I would see... God (laughs) and maybe get my name changed. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. of course, as a 23 year old woman living in the South, I was thinking about marriage. And I mean, I'm not saying that God did this because I wanted to model my life after the name changed guy. But that year I ended up meeting my husband, but it was the first time I'd ever been my full self with anyone. And part of that journey was realizing that I couldn't diet. Dieting made me feel out of control and did bad things to my mental health. And so I chose to prioritize my mental health over my quote, physical health. And that's when I saw the face of God, like it is physical health is not the goal of my life. Living is the goal of my life. And there's a lot more aspects to that. And so I met my person. And I know that's cheesy, but it's hard to describe it another way. And I I felt (laughs) completely comfortable being my full self with him. Um, His name is Zachary. And interestingly, Zachary means God remembers. (laughs) Um, And it was kind of like, Letting go helped me be okay with me. And that's, that's the best, that's like the best gift that I can give myself, thanks to Whitney Houston's advice. Like, like, we, like, self love is so valuable, but it comes through wrestling.
0: Wow. I really love that analogy. And I think that for a lot of folks, I think is sort of an ongoing wrestling match on and off and at a certain point learning to sort of welcome the different parts of yourself to the table Mm. and start to respect yourself and to allow yourself to be and to not wrestle with yourself and to put in the work to wrestle the eating disorder as well. Were there things in your recovery that, really so it sounds like meeting your husband was sort of a turning point Mm -hmm. um were there other things in your recovery that you learned um that really helped to move you forward toward being recovered or in recovery
1: yeah and it starts off kind of nerdy but i'm a big nerd if you you can't tell from all my word origin stuff yet
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's all right i'm a nerd too okay good
1: solidarity um (laughs) I sometimes I hesitate sharing about meeting my husband because I don't think that I needed to be completed by another person at, at, as a mate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think as a friend, I did need his friendship um, because along my journey, I've, I've learned that the purpose of my body um, isn't perfection or thinness or even health. The purpose of my body is relationship. Like, I believe that when I was pregnant with my children, like I had a relationship with them and they kicked me and I cursed them, at, like cursed, cursed at them, not like cursed them. <laughs> yeah. Cussed. As we say in these Texas, I cussed at them. <laughs> And um, and they couldn't offer me anything except heartburn, right? And crazy <laughs> hormones. Yeah. And then my aging grandparents, my abuela that I was telling you about um, earlier, like, when she was old and she couldn't remember me, like, her body was still using and em- employing itself in its purpose. We- <laughs> We were talking one day, the last time I saw her, and she can barely speak any English anymore. It's all in Spanish. Hmm. And I'm bilingual, but my husband is, he has a pretty good grasp of Spanish, but mm-hmm. she's talking to me about everything and about how good my eyebrows look, and then <laughs> and then she just stops dead in her tracks. She looks at my husband and she says in English, you have nice legs. And then it immediately goes back to Spanish. Amazing. Yeah, and she was on the verge of of dying. Wow. She died a couple months later. And that is, like, relationship is her purpose. Hmm. Not physical perfection like she thought it was. Yeah. And so meeting Zachary was a huge boon to my life. Because in our relationship, I was completely free. And that was the first person, especially first male person, that I've ever felt that around. Hmm. So I believe that my liberation started that summer before he and I met. And um, we love seeking out hospitality and ways we can be hospitable to each other and to friends and family and strangers and offering ourselves and me offering myself hospitality to kick my feet up and to let my hair down and to let my rolls hang out yeah. <laughs> and, and to talk about, you know, skin fold problems, the problems mm-hmm. that come with, fatness um that are not unique to fatness but that do happen in skin folds Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, yeah i'm able to fulfill my purpose because i have a body disembodied spirits um kind of just float around and say "ooh" and scare people like we need bodies
0: yeah and those bodies help us to be in relationship with people and right Yeah, well, I love that description so much. For you, what does recovery mean in your life and your experience?
1: Hmm. That's a really good question, Molly. (laughs) I am still on the journey of recovery. Mm -hmm. And every day is a battle right now Mm -hmm. to remember that there will be enough food that there will be food that I can enjoy that I don't have to be afraid of food mm-hmm. and some days are harder than others but the pandemic has really just exacerbated yes that <laughs> and I in a minute I'll tell you a story of my whole COVID experience hmm um I guess, you know what I would say, and this is new, but I think recovery is about relationship with my body and my eating disorder. Mm. I, even admitting that I had an eating disorder took me a heck of a long time. Yeah. It's only now just been two years. hmm Um, and I started that liberation journey 12 years ago. Hmm. Um, and so it's a, it's a work in progress. And I think this is probably cliche for therapy and stuff, but acceptance of where I am is recovery for me. Yeah. It's, it's recognizing the things that my body and my psyche are telling me. And instead of judging them, Responding with curiosity.
0: Oh, yes. And like those kind of things that, you know, we think of as cliche, I think are cliche for a reason. Like they Mm -hmm. are so real. And absolutely, I think acceptance is so, so key to recovery because it, I mean, it lowers the amount of fighting that you're doing with yourself and
1: with your Mm -hmm. body
0: and with your thoughts. Yeah. So you did mention the pandemic and how that's been a stressor. On your recovery. I know you've spoken openly about your experience with COVID-19 and, and I was wondering if you wanted to share a little bit about that and how you're doing today.
1: That is a pleasure. Thank you. I've obviously having COVID and almost dying was not a pleasure but mm. talking about it and processing it. I actually am joining a poetry workshopping group <laughs> Um, with some friends in town, and I'm starting to write poetry about my COVID experience, and that is really scary. Yeah, <laughs> and and really good. Um, and I. So it, I'll just tell you the story. <laughs> okay. Um, we were very strict COVID. Social distancers pulled our kids out mm-hmm. of school, attempted homeschooling for children ages eight and under, and that was wow. wild. Yeah, and definitely trying on mental health. I can imagine. <laughs> and food shortages definitely brought up insecurities for me. Mm-hmm. Um, can get lunch made anywhere, and that's one of my go to's. Um, I did have a bidet though, so I didn't have to worry about the toilet paper shortage. Oh, good! <laughs> Man, um, see, this is
0: why we. That's need a bidet fat win. Everywhere. I know. Hell yeah. <laughs> um.
1: So. I was really depressed and very down, and my physical health was declining, and um, that I have lower back pain that hurts so bad it immobilizes me and it was october so we're just on the brink of vaccines coming out and our local gym had its pool and its therapy pool open up and i thought you know i'm I'm wearing a mask, I'm washing my hands, I'm keeping my distance, I'll just go swim to do therapy for my back. Hmm. And I did it like four times. (laughs) And the last time I was there, I got COVID. Wow. Um, And I owned that, right? I knew the risk. Um, I didn't fully understand (laughs) the risk because of what happened next. But So my whole family, all six of us, we have four kids, got COVID, and I never got better. Everybody else got better, and I'm still a week after starting medicine, getting worse, and my oxygen drops, so I go to the ER, and, you know, I'm struggling with how much detail to share, but basically, I wasn't breathing. (laughs) Yeah, So I got admitted, and I hadn't eaten all day, and I was so hungry. I was really afraid of being triggered into a spiral, Um, and my spirals go in both ways. Either I shut down and do nothing and become kind of catatonic, or I can't get enough food Mm -hmm. because my body is freaking out. Yeah. Well, kind of both happened. They took forever to feed me, and um, after my third day of inpatient, I was so hungry. Um, I went into the ICU and was intubated, and they put me, they sedated me because I was so agitated, but I had to be put on a feeding tube. Hmm. I was in the ICU for three weeks, two of those I was on a ventilator. and. <clears throat> I don't know that I can adequately express the loneliness that is having COVID at the height of the pandemic. Mm. Because everybody that touches you is wearing gloves and completely shielded from you. There's no touch. There's no like, you know, hair standing up on your arms because you touched another human for the first time in a couple days. It's all plastic. Oh. And um, I was completely out of it. I didn't know what was happening. Um, and they were finally able to take me off the ventilator. And I woke up. Well, <laughs> one day I ripped out my ventilator on my own with my hands. And so they had to wow. put handcuffs on me. I and- this do not underestimate the flexibility of fat people yeah because they restrained my arms and so a couple days later i somehow got my feet up to my chest whoa and pulled it out again <laughs> wow yeah That's
0: impressive so dedication
1: i know right i'm really proud of like <laughs> i see you amanda sedated amanda yeah. But it did ruin my vocal cords. I'm, I'm still okay. struggling to get my voice back. <laughs> but um the whole time that I was sedated, I was... COVID can cause psychosis and being in the ICU can mm-hmm. cause psychosis. And I was gone. I dreamed that I was killed so many times trying to protect my children. I dreamed... That they were trying to cut my body in half. I dreamed wow. that they wouldn't give me any food to eat. And <clears throat> Then I had some really beautiful dreams as well. And it was all it was kind of like inside out the movie from Pixar, yeah, where like you want to have these purely joyful moments, but sadness has to touch them. Yeah, Like, it was kind of the reverse, where there were these intensely sad and emotional moments, but there were these touches of joy that filled me with so much comfort. Um, But in all the dreams, I was fat. And let me tell you one of the dreams that really stuck out to me. Mm -hmm. I dreamed that I had been in a really bad car crash, and that when they were helped, like, saving my life they decided to give me like body sculpting surgery so they took like liposuction and all this sort of reconstructive surgery
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and I was um, I was in a full body cast and like this is all very real to me in my dreams yeah and I knew that people had been ashamed of my body before and now I was cut and I looked better and we were featured on like Good Morning America and like, woman survives car crash, lives a new life. Um, but in the dream, my hus- I, lo- I was looking around at our house and I said to my husband, why are these all pictures of me before the crash? And he said, your your smile just didn't look like you anymore. Wow. Like we we miss fat you. Um and that is not to condemn anyone that's chosen to to change their bodies just to a dream. But it it's hit me like my family loves me. Um yeah, and this is my life in in this fat body. <clears throat> So I was having dreams like this, but I also had a dream that I did a a Saturday Night Live cold open with Lizzo. What? (laughs) Like, it was so real. I woke up and when they gave me my phone back, my arms didn't work very well because I had not been out of bed for 30 days (laughs) and I didn't have any muscles in my (laughs) fingers anymore. So, I was trying to type like Amanda Martinez Beck, Lizzo, Saturday Night Live. Shut up. That's hilarious. <laughs> and I had to ask my husband, like on the phone, was I on Saturday Night Live? Like...
0: Oh, wow.
1: <laughs> um, but anyway, everywhere in my dreams, I was fighting fat phobia. So, like, my inner superhero um, was at work. Oh, but hi. also, I was on a feeding tube. Hmm. And that was really hard because even after I woke up, my swallow reflexes weren't working. So I had to be on it for a while. And I realized I am talking a lot. (laughs) That's kind of the point. Okay. Okay. Um, And getting, I begged them, please let me eat food. And they said, "We we can't because if you eat it, but your swallow is not working; you will suffocate on your food. Mm-hmm. But I was crying, and I would feel my my stomach because I knew from personal experience, liquid food was not enough. Yeah. For me, and it took me. I was awake for ten days on a feeding tube. Mm after being under for about 14 on a feeding tube as well. Wow. And finally they were able to do the test and I was able to eat uh, soft foods. Mm. And it was the best best thing I'd ever had in my life. <laughs> wow. Uh, but then the, the room I got transferred into the very first thing that the nurse told me when the other st- people left was 30 days on a feeding tube. Can you imagine the weight you could lose?
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. Read the room, nurse. Come like,
1: on. I mean, I just, I was like, I just ignored her because I was not with it. Mm-hmm. But, <clears throat> I mean, case in point for fat people getting medical care, like, God. How can we make your life how can we make your body smaller?
0: Yep. Like that's what matters here and not the fact that you just survived <laughs> a literal pandemic virus. Like Great. Right. Jeez.
1: I I beat the odds of people on on I on a ventilator. Yeah. Um my my nurses told me my healing was miraculous. Whether the miracle was modern medicine or the intervention of the divine, like I'll take it and I'm here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. And but, but eating disorder recovery wise, it's been very hard since then because of that Mm -hmm. long, hard recovery road (laughs) being interrupted by another liquid diet. So that diet in a medical forced way, not by choice. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez.
0: And it sounds like you're still experiencing symptoms from that experience, and that was back in October.
1: Well, I was hospitalized until December, so okay. I, and then I had to learn how to walk. Wow. Um, and I couldn't talk when I got out; like I could mm-hmm. only whisper. So relearning how to walk was fun. Hmm. I'm doing awesome. Like my pre-COVID body with the pain my pain levels were worse then um my lungs are worse now (laughs) thanks Mm -hmm. COVID (laughs) but um like I'm much more active um like I my life is much better post COVID and I'm I can say that very clearly and still acknowledge COVID was hell yeah Right. Okay. Well,
0: I'm so glad that you, you know, for however it happened, you came out on the other side of it and you are continuing to fight forward. Thank you. Yeah. So weird pivot. Okay. But, <laughs> um, you do like fat liberation and coaching work now what does your work look like one-on-one with folks and how um yeah just what does that look like and how do you help people find freedom in their bodies and find that relationship and that reconnection
1: so i believe there are four levels of fat liberation Mm -hmm. and they happen at the same time and in different ways so them being numbered does not mean their priority or anything it just means Mm -hmm. how like from smallest to greatest okay so number one fat liberation is at the personal level how Mm -hmm. am i talking to myself how am i judging my own body what is my inner critic saying about my body number two level two is the interpersonal level how am i thinking and talking with others and how are they thinking and talking? me about bodies?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, <clears throat> are there boundaries I need to set with my mom? Do I need to avoid seeing you know, a friend from high school because all I think about when I'm with her is how much weight I've gained? That, that's a really common thought to have when you live in your hometown. <laughs> yeah. Um, and your body has changed um, since high school. Because bodies are made to change, not to be like they were when you were pre, like, adult.
0: And nobody (laughs) Um, freaking tells us that. I know. Like, especially fat people. It's like, I mean, you're telling, like, people at any age to lose weight, especially kids, like, people Mm -hmm. under 18. Like, your bodies are literally supposed to change. It's wild to me. So there's like the individual level and then sort Mm -hmm. of the interpersonal, like Mm -hmm. how do people talk about my body and their bodies in that sort of like boundary setting? What Mm -hmm. are the next two levels?
1: Number three is community focused. Mm -hmm. Um, Like my workplace or my school, my church, my community organization um, or online. Like I run a Facebook group. So what, Mm-hmm. What is the atmosphere in there? And that is looking at it from a more institutionalized level like workplaces that offer benefits when your BMI is lower. Like that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> churches that offer what my friend Nicole Morgan calls diet devotional groups where you lose weight to please God. Oh, jeez At a gathering, like at a structural at a at a institutionalized level that is fat phobia and that is wrong um so I mean or sororities like one of the sororities at my college I went to Baylor very sorority friendly one of them one of the groups of women had a rule that you had to be wearing three pairs of Spanx for all like whoa fancy things
0: that is a lot of spanks.
1: I know and that that just doesn't sound fun, right? Like,
0: no. that whoa. sounds uh, both. I don't. That sounds uncomfortable and like it constricts your breathing.
1: Uh, yes, I mean there's a reason women faint all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Victorian literature, which is my favorite, but um, because when corsets or um, bodices are too tight, you can't breathe, and then you faint. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh. so spanx is just the modern corset yeah um so one personal two interpersonal three community focused then four is the structural Mm -hmm. for example life insurance that's at a structural level because that's often the the most wealthy companies in the world are life insurance companies Mm. they move in the financial world And they deny life insurance to people in fat bodies. In fat bodies and disabled bodies and chronically ill bodies. That's structural injustice towards fatness, towards fat people. And when there is structural inequity, we have to address it. So another example of structural inequity would be um, school lunch programs that do not, uh, or that that do good food, bad food programs, mm-hmm. um, that is structurally unjust because we know that food access is a class issue, is a an education um, connected to education level. It there is there is systemic injustice, so. I specialize in the first and second types. Mm-hmm. So personal and interpersonal. I also mm-hmm. do three and four, but that's more for companies and churches mm-hmm. um, or political strategists who are wanting to address phobia from a... a uh,
0: like a systemic level. Yes. Yeah. So one-on-one with people, you work more on like their relationship to their own bodies mm-hmm. and then their boundaries and their relationships with other people. Yeah.
1: Yes. And diet culture hits us every day. Okay. From the moment we leave our homes and oftentimes in our homes, we are oh. inundated with the message that it's better to be to be fat. I would rather be, uh, dead than fat. Yep. That is harmful. <laughs> And Mm -hmm. so a lot of my work focuses on touchstones. Um, Another word you might use is mantras. Mm. But to say things that are true, and have them in your brain, and to meditate on them. Like, my body is good. Mm. That's my Instagram handle, your body is good. Yes. Um, My today body is good, or my body is good today. That the purpose of my body is relationship, not perfection or thinness. Hmm. So to get these truths inside my psyche, p- pushing back those lies of diet culture, that my worth is tied to my body size, and that that food is clean or unclean, and that is that is my strategy. Yeah, <laughs> and. Um, my first book is called Lovely, How I Learned to Embrace the Body God Gave Me. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a Catholic approach to how I learned to embrace my body. Mm-hmm. I think it's accessible for people of faith um, at any denomination level, but it's definitely a faith, a Christian-saturated book. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so we talk about... How do we know a body is good well god created us for relationships and that's how we we judge a thing's goodness on whether it fulfills its purpose Mm -hmm. um my second book is coming out from broadleaf books in um, may or june of next summer so about a year from now and it's called more of you the fat girl's field guide to the modern world Wow. I can't wait to read that one. <laughs> I'm so excited about it. We need a field it. guide. Yes. Oh my goodness. And there have been a lot of other good books. Jess Baker has a, a guide book. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, Dances with Fat. Regan Chastain has a book. Mm-hmm. Um, other people and fat bodies have been writing of these things. But mine is told from my perspective, which is a spiritual one. It's not exclusively christian i'm talking to spiritual people or people who are open to spirituality yeah and it's not a book that's going to bang you over the head like become a christian just like me it's these are the ways i find i found the divine in my body these are the ways that i'm learning to live in a relationship with myself with others and with the divine power and I'm very excited to be able to share it with you guys. I'm still writing it, <laughs> yeah.
0: it just sounds amazing. And I think, yeah, I spirituality is such a complicated topic. and i I definitely feel like I am a spiritual person. I don't Mm -hmm. think I subscribe to, like, any sort of religion. I think part of it, you know, you said you're in East Texas. My mom's family is West Texas. Oh, (laughs) Um, yeah. Yeah. And, like, Southern Baptist, very, very traditional, very conservative, very, like, purity culture. Mm -hmm. um, Crosses over into their political life. Um, And then my dad's side, my mom was the rebel that left the South, moved to New York, and married a Jew. I love it. um, Me too. So my dad's side is Jewish, but like emphasis on the ish, like really culturally Jewish, but mm-hmm. not religious whatsoever. Like we do Passover and, you know, maybe Rosh Hashanah and that's it. And um, it, it is something that I think brings people so much peace. And I think recovery in itself has almost been like a spiritual experience for me mm-hmm. and a, a way of connecting with things bigger than myself and, I think fat liberation in itself is a spiritual journey for me and learning that my body and my recovery are bigger than myself and, um, that, you know, recovering into a disordered world, into a fat phobic world is an act of resistance and kind of having to stay true to my faith of my recovery. Um, and I, it's something that I feel like I'm learning more and more about the ways that fat liberation intersects with faith and the way that eating disorder recovery intersects with faith and the way that people are just socialized in faith communities. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was peeking at your book a little bit before we started talking and I think, I mean, I definitely don't come from a, like a Christian background, but I definitely want to check it out and your book that's coming out next year. It just sounds so important and such a good tool to give people
1: well, I don't, I don't know that you can hear my smile on the other side of the <laughs> line, but um, <laughs> to know that things that I say are floating around in other people's Kindles <laughs> yeah, or, or bookshelves is really exciting. I've wanted to be a writer since I was like nine years old. Yeah, and, it's super cool. And wow. that I get paid to do it. That's like I'm definitely living the dream and my fat Aww. and happy life. Oh, I love that
0: so much. Wow. Um, so you create pretty awesome shirts. You I go. am definitely planning on getting one. Uh, and I saw that you make bath mats and I'm moving the summer. So I think I'm also going to get one of those. So people listening should definitely check out the store, goodbodyshirts.com. Um, and you also have a podcast that has a lot of content and you said you're kind of working to put some more content together coming soon, Fat and Faithful. Mm-hmm. Um, people can also find you on Patreon and sign up for coaching. I feel like in the, I don't know, 10 minutes we talked about your coaching. I learned so much. <laughs> I can't even imagine what like a one hour, you know, session with you Um how much you would learn from that so I mean people have so many different ways to support your work and to get support from you in the form of coaching in the form of um you know even just following you and your content I think you do such a good job of making people feel good and grounded and connected and spreading really important messages so I really I really appreciate the work that you do for that and Thank I'm so you. grateful to you for sharing about your journey um, with your recovery and with COVID. Uh, so,
1: so important asking. Like, yeah, I I'm learning to only share when people ask because mm, it does take much more effort for me to talk, and just the energy that it takes is like I want to share. I don't want to cast out my mm-hmm. my valuables if people are not. <laughs> interested um about about my store it's on etsy at the moment okay and um yeah good body shirts i carry up to 5x at the moment Mm -hmm. but i am working with a t-shirt designer um that's local to me and i'm i am getting in 6x and i am so excited because it's really hard (laughs) um But uh, soon, those shirts will be launching in the store very soon.
0: That's so exciting. And, you know, just before we kind of wrap up, was there anything that you thought of that might be helpful for folks to hear or things that we didn't talk about?
1: Yes. A moment moment to gather.
0: Yes. Mm Gather the thoughts. I will share.
1: (laughs) All good. So I want you, those of you who are listening to know that you do not have to make yourself smaller. You have the right to take up as much space as you need. And that is what you need to know today. Mm.
0: Wow. What she said, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Amanda, so much. I appreciate your message and you talking with me today. Um, And I can't wait for other folks to hear it too.
1: Well, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Molly.